Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. For the Spring Pledge Drive, we're doing best of Access Utah. We're dipping back in the archives, uh, bringing uh, forward excerpts from uh, programs we consider to be some of our best episodes, uh, all in service of uh, encouraging you to pledge your support uh, to uh, Utah Public Radio and for Access Utah. And uh, we are, the theme uh, for today is uh, current events. Uh, there are uh, things that happen, of course, that uh, you want to respond to. And uh, so uh, sometimes we just uh, open the phone lines, open the email, and uh, want to get your response. And uh, we've, we've got some great response, some great discussions going. And so today we're going to hear excerpts from our most recent Bears Ears program. Uh, I learned a lesson um, from previous Bears Ears uh, programs. We, uh, in this case, blocked out two hours. We have routinely and two or three times before planned an hour program, went to a two or two and a half hours. This was a two-hour program planned on a a special edition on a Friday, right after President Obama declared the Bears Ears National Monument. We'll hear just an excerpt from that. We'll also hear an excerpt from an interesting program uh, featuring Matt LaPlante and Jennifer Napier-Pierce when we were talking about the issue of fake news and journalism uh, in the age of Trump. And we're going to hear uh, your response, an excerpt from your response to President uh, Trump's first refugee order. Uh, That is uh, coming up. Welcome in studio uh, with me, uh, Terry Guy uh, joins us. Thanks. Yes, good morning. It's good to be here. And we have with us uh, Candy Carter Olson, who is assistant professor in the journalism department at Utah State University. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you, Tom. So excited to be here. Also, UPR supporter. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, let's uh, just uh, tell people how they can support Access Utah. Yes, do, uh, do give us a call, 1-800-826-1495 or go to upr.org. We have a team of people in there waiting for your phone call. We've had a really exciting morning so far. Um, let's keep that that going, that energy going, because the phones have been ringing and pledges have been made and uh, challenges have been met, and that's exactly what Utah Public Radio needs. We need a little insurge of energy energy and and uh, the uh, your pledges really make a huge difference to us go to upr.org upr.org is the place to go upr.org upr.org and we hope that you will uh, pledge right now while you're uh, thinking about it uh, uh, candy carter olson uh, your your best uh, pitch what why should fellow listeners become members to utah public radio why is this worth supporting Well, um, there's no place else that you can get kind of the in-depth reporting and bringing national news to a local level like you can get here at UPR and particularly from Access Utah. If you've been someone who's wanted to participate in these conversations like we're featuring today, um, who's picked up the phone, who's turned on the email, who's tweeted at us. Um, then this is the perfect time to go online or to pick up your phone and to pledge your support so that we can remain on the air. Um, because we can't do this without y'all. And the place to go, upr.org. Upr.org. Uh, pledge your support whatever amount. Um, you, you know, start at the $36 level. You get the member card for, for that level. Um, Terry, I, I've been pushing the UPR Stein. Yes, it's really nice. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Uh, something you could throw in your freezer and use for root beer floats or yeah. or a big, nice, cold uh, glass of beer during the summertime. But these are all the thank you gifts that we are offering, and they're all listed on our website as well. Um, I think my favorite one is always the dollar a day sponsorship at $365. Mm, right. It's such a, a fun thing to use for uh, uh, something you would like to celebrate, anniversary, a birthday, and uh, as I've mentioned before, I always get two-for-one benefits out of that because I usually use it for my husband, who has a twin brother, and I get two-for-one out of that. It's great. Something you mentioned, uh, Candy, was the Twitter and Facebook and mm-hmm. social media. Uh, and there's a group of us here at the station who are just, uh, Ted and I get on at night, and you can see all kinds of stuff going back and forth. You're absolutely right. People have a lot to say. And Access Utah is such an excellent way for you to actually get your voice heard. Um, it. it we do get these uh, programs that Tom is talking about where he tries to keep it within an hour and it runs over. And that is exactly what we need to do. That's why we're here. Make a pledge, 1-800-826-1495, and make this programming possible for you to hear in your community. Think about uh, perhaps you've responded to uh, some other programs, so the programs on the women's marches or the, the elections in context. We had uh, Jason Gilmore and Lawrence Culver in. Um, the Orlando shootings. That was an especially uh, tender. Um, I think we had a program maybe the day after. 
or, or at least uh, after the weekend, and, uh, and uh, just just shocked to tender feelings. And, and I think people appreciate uh, being able to respond. Uh, we had a, a special, again, a Friday edition, uh, responding to the decision by the Outdoor Retailer Show to leave uh, Salt Lake City. And there was a lot of discussion on that. So if you perhaps have participated, have appreciated participating in a show like this, uh, now's the time where we come to you and ask for your support in return. And you can go to upr.org, upr.org, to, uh, to pledge your support. Uh, let's uh, hear just an excerpt. We'll hear uh, eight minutes or something uh, from a uh, show, a two-hour special Friday edition, uh, which uh, came pretty quickly. I think we put this show together, uh, and by we, I mean Amy Kobe, my producer, so I'll give a shout-out to her. Um, this uh, show um, responding pretty quickly after President Obama declared Bears Ears National Monument. Let's bring in uh, Regina Lopez-Whiteskunk, a Ute Mountain Ute Tribal Councilwoman, also with the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, joining us again on Access Utah. Um, good morning, and, and just for clarification, I just want to make sure I, I actually just left office a little over a month ago. Oh, you did? So okay. I'm, I'm I'm former, but I'm freshly former. So, oh, okay. Um, All right. And this is just right out of the, the shoots to be getting the news um of the creation of the of the monument, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it was a great day for us. Uh, we worked so hard, we worked diligently for for many many years. Um, a lot of work had gone into this, as well as uh, many months of the tribal leaders coming together and putting aside their differences to uh, achieve a common goal. So it, it was uh, a great day to be uh, very grateful to our um, president. I have a, uh, a a comment from our attorney general. I wanted to give a reaction to, and then I'll I'll have John give you a question. Uh, so yeah, very exciting day, and and uh, and very pleasing to you, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, here's what uh, Sean Reyes, our attorney general, uh, said. He, he of course is is against this, and he's vowing to to take it to court. Um, but he's he said that the quoting uh, Attorney General Reyes, the sacred tribal areas in and around Bears Ears should absolutely be protected, but in a way that's legally sound and makes sense. A national monument in San Juan County does not preserve the land, but divests it from the very people for whom it is sacred. The local Navajo will no longer be able to gather medicine or firewood, graze cattle hunt, maintain their livelihoods, or access the mountain heights for their religious ceremonies. I want to get your reaction to that characterization. That my reaction to that is, um, and I hope that the uh, Attorney General has wor- read the proclamation um, at its fullest and might I say is, is a very well-written document, and it's something that we've advocated for. I mean, we would definitely not advocate as tribal leaders um, for our people to be kept from these areas. That's definitely something we would have we would have not got behind, but what we did get behind is that that's the exact thing that we fought so hard for was continued access and you can see that throughout the nation that there are many tribes who are continuing to to fight for this type of of um access to their sacred cultural sites and their lands that once were a part of their their roaming areas but we have very little that are legally under each of the tribes but as we all know um we're okay. We're not asking for the land back as reservations or return property to the people. What we want is just access. And so we fought so diligently on that note and something that we put a lot of effort, research, and acquired um, a lot of expertise from many different areas. We wanted to bridge that gap between science, traditional knowledge, and, and people in general to preserve for many generations into the future. So just to, just to make uh, clear, you, you believe that uh, this designation will allow you the 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 access that you want? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And through the, and when I say that, if if um, those of you out there can take the time to read the proclamation, out of the proclamation drops the creation of a commission. So the tribes that will have a voice to help to put these plans together, as well as to be able to work together. I think that's the biggest biggest challenge that changes how uh, historically the federal government, local agencies, and other groups have dealt with tribes is this is an opportunity to work together in collaboration rather than reliving history and, and having
having those controversial and contentious moments like the Standing Rock demonstrations and many others that have taken place throughout time. Uh, John Cobos, do you have a question for Mrs. Uh, lopez Whitescomb? Uh, yes, and my notes uh, confirm that, that uh, the proclamation uh, specifically spells out uh, uh, access rights to uh, cultural uh, areas and, and gathering areas and, and all of that. Uh, my question would be, uh, you know, expanding a little on the idea of, of how the tribes would manage differently than than the federal government does in the app, applying the traditional knowledge uh, my suspicion is that when people the more people hear about this the less controversial it's going to be that, 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 that there's some uh, you know that I don't understand why the Republicans would be so in, enraged about what you would do because uh, can you can you uh, expand on that and you know maybe give some example of, of how you know uh, how the tribes would would take care of the land well first and foremost i think one of the things that the the intertribal coalition managed to do and had done so well um was to put all other politics aside and focus on one common goal and that's to take away everything else that could cloud that could be some smoke screens for other other agendas and we we put aside those and we came together as one group to to have a common goal. With that, we all decided that the common goal is to achieve preservation and, and continued access for our people. And why? Because through education, whether it's through traditional passing of knowledge from one individual to another, but to create programs to better educate not only just the community, but even further out into the states and other places into the world. Out in the world, uh, traditional institutes of knowledge have been very successful. But the key, again, is going to be education. Education from the bottom up and all around. I think that a lot of times people overlook the fact that uh, doing a little reading and research and finding out what the other side of the issue is is, is really the challenge because it challenges one to examine their own opinions and views on things. And it's not always about being right as much as it is creating that successful situation that we can all come out together ahead and, and continuing to teach about how the Mormon settlers came in and settled. Um, some may say came in and settled. Many of Native tribes will say they came in and encroached upon our, our lands. Um, but that's, that's all in the matter of educating oneself about how things get put out there. And one of the things that we thought was absolutely important is ensuring, good or bad, that information gets put out there. I think so many times history books only portray as they wish to portray it, and not always is it very truthful, but a lot of the ugly truth gets buried underneath all the fast, furious really little uh, ways of, of showing what history could have been. Um, and, and we just want to be able to continue to tell the story, to learn from the land as everybody else does, and, and utilize it in unison. I think that we demonstrated that in uh, coming together with the rock climbers, sitting down and understanding what their use of the land is, sitting down and understanding what the hikers wanted to, to be able to, to do to be able to see and understand the, the conservation side of it. We did our research. We sought out all different angles, and I think that that's the challenge of what people need to do, get a clear 360 view of the, is- of the, of the issue. That's an excerpt from uh, a program, Special Friday, two-hour edition of uh, Access Utah on uh, December 30th. That was soon after, I think it was within a day or two, after President Obama declared the Bears Ears uh, National Monument. My thanks to uh, producers Amy Kobabe and uh, Krista Black. I neglected to uh, credit uh, her uh, for that uh, program. Uh, so, But that illustrates that there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes to uh, put these programs together. Terry Guy... And uh, Candy Carter Olson uh, joined me. Uh, Terry, th- that's, um, you know, if you were to spend that, I think it was about a 24 hour period to put that program together, spend that hour with, uh, or that day with uh, Amy and, and Krista. Um, 
that is for every guest you have, that's maybe five, ten phone calls. Absolutely. And and so it takes a huge team to really put uh, these types of programs together. And we're really, uh, uh, it's amazing what Tom does with Access Utah with a, a group of students that uh, help produce these programs, make those phone calls, um, and put passion into these programs, uh, frankly. Uh, we're really lucky to have um, our student interns to help us with this. And it's a, it's a learning opportunity for them to actually make phone calls and talk to people that they would never, ever have the opportunity to talk to maybe before that um, and maybe wouldn't have the desire because they wouldn't understand how to do that. And so Access Utah gives them an opportunity to uh, learn about our, our politics and meet people up close and personal, and it's a great opportunity for them. Um, but also they do get passionate about it, and that reflects in the programming that we're able to do. And then uh, Tom, of course, with his knowledge, brings it all together at the end. So we really appreciate this programming and the um, support that you give us for Utah Public Radio and for Access Utah. Don't forget that is our spring pledge drive. Become a member and support this program. Yep. Really quickly, I just want to say, as a professor, I really appreciate this particular program for my students' sake. I hear a lot about how, oh, you know, our, our journalism's going downhill. Nobody really cares. Uh, you know, our students are coming out and they know nothing. Well, that's not true, particularly here at Utah State University. And it's because of opportunities like Access Utah and UPR give to our students that um, our students come out of here and they are prepared, they are knowledgeable, they are excited about um, producing good news and high-level news at um, many different places around the country. And we can't do that without support from listeners, and we can't do that without um, community support around them. Um, our, our students need supporters as much as this station does. Um, so I would encourage you all to go online to upr.org as well and pledge your support. UPR.org, UPR.org, that's UPR.org. Uh, um, uh, so we do, uh, we're looking for your, your support, and uh, we do have, uh, we've uh, set some goals. And uh, for the overall uh, spring pledge drive, we're doing well. Uh, Terry, but uh, we definitely uh, uh, need to keep that going. That's right. I, I heard uh, just last night that we were 40% goal, and my understanding is this morning they had such uh, great responses to uh, Morning Edition that, that we're just keeping that momentum going, this pledge drive, and that is really, really great for us. And Something else I was thinking of, Tom, while you were, were um, speaking there was I work with our underwriters primarily. I work with our businesses and so forth. And uh, then Katie uh, works with our membership drive. And those are two huge components of what support Utah Public Radio. Um, but this, there's a firewall between what I do and what Tom does. And we remind each other often <laughs> right. that we have to have that firewall up. So if I have a sponsor that uh, supports public, our public radio station, legally, we put um, spots on air that an announce who those sponsors are so that our listeners know where we're getting our funding from. Um, and that being said, those sponsors cannot control any of the content that we have on the air. That's what makes public radio. And that's what makes it great. Because then Tom takes his programming and he creates himself. He doesn't listen to my sponsors. They don't tell him what to say. Um, they don't make, you know, any they don't have any decision in what our programming is. And that is a, a continuous uh, conversation between us because it's it's not an easy task, quite frankly. But um, we do have a good team of people working with that, and we keep that in mind every single day so that you get uh, truthful programming. And we want to be responsive directly to, to you, right? Uh, um, as, as, as a listener, you... You you uh, you know what's of value to you, and we want to be directly respons responsive to that. We feel like the programs that we're talking about today, we call current events or headline programs, are directly responsive. We know that because you respond, you call in, you email us. Uh, I think we had uh, twenty five calls and, and emails during that Bearsers uh, program. It was it was pretty constant. It was it was directly you that uh, that uh, drove that program. And I was going to say one of the cool things about that particular program, especially if you were just listening to that clip, is 
um, they were talking about how this is educational and how we have to look at the 360 view and all around it. Well, we can't look at that 360 view without having you listeners come in and and join in the conversation and participate. That's what gives us that 360 view. And that's why um, programs like Access Utah are valuable. And uh, Carl called us from St. George yesterday and, and said we we need to delineate commercial from public radio. I think we maybe take that for granted. But uh, And so I was, I was thinking as I was listening to that excerpt, and thinking about all the great response we've had to these uh, programs, programs like uh, responding to the women's marches and elections in context. I, I think uh, I, th- I think the day after the election, which was shocking to a lot of people, I think because of the polling <laughs> situation, um, we just opened the phone lines and we got got a lot of response uh, to that one. For example, the Orlando shootings, outdoor retailer show leaving uh, Salt Lake City. Um, that's the theme of uh, today's program. Remembering some of those uh, programs. But uh, in in the public radio world, we get um, not so much yelling. Uh, it's thoughtful. It's passionate. Uh, I, it, it's mm-hmm. passionate, but it's it's filtered through uh, people trying to come to terms with their emotions, trying to you know apply logic and reason, trying to reach out and as a community figure things out. And I, I really appreciate that. It's uh, We have callers and emailers who uh, who respond and move, I think, the, the, the issue forward. Absolutely. And they give you something else to think about. Um, they look at all sides of the story and they listen, they read, they're educated. They, you know, and so when we hear them, hear from them on Access Utah, um, you know, it can bring you to different points in, in your thoughts because they, they're well thought through. And uh, boy, it's great to have our listeners. And then, of course, people a lot of times join us through email, online, through uh, the social media, uh, whatever works for you at home, please uh, engage with our Access Utah program. It's always good to hear from you. UPR.org, UPR.org. Hope you go to UPR.org. Uh, so, Candy Carter Olson, our goal for the two hour period, so we got about an hour and a half left for this, is $1,500, which is uh, seems like a lot, but if everybody pitches in, you guys made your $4,000 goal during Morning Edition this morning, and that was absolutely amazing. I don't think 1500 is too much to of a goal this morning. That's totally doable, and if everybody comes together and realizes that this is their community radio, this is their program, then that's exactly what we're looking for. So please go online to upr.org, give us your um, your pledge or go or give us a phone call at 1-800-826-1495. And thank you so much in advance. Uh, go to upr.org, upr.org, and uh, thank you for, for your support. Uh, later in the program, we're going to uh, have an excerpt from a program, recent program, responding to President Trump's uh, executive order on uh, immigration and refugees, the first one. Uh, but right now, we go to an excerpt from a very interesting program. Uh, this became a very, quite a lively discussion. I think anytime you have Matt Laplante in a, in a discussion, it's going to be it's going to be lively. <laughs> if you, and, if you yeah. don't know Professor Laplante, he's amazing. <laughs> he, he is. He's, he is. And not, he's a legend among our students. He, he really is. Yeah, <laughs> great teacher. Yeah, uh, very thoughtful. Um, and he and he knows what media needs as well. He's you know he's he's a little bit provocative, but in a good way, right? You know, he's uh, so smart. Uh, pushing the conversation forward in a good direction. And then uh, he was engaging with a Salt Lake Tribune editor, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Napier Pierce, who's a, a very bright person, uh, very articulate. She's amazing. Yes. And and, uh, so and you guys should know that this followed on a conversation that had been happening down in Salt Lake uh, City the night before that was sponsored by the Salt Lake Tribune as well on the same topic. So they were they were building the conversation up here in Logan that had already been started down south. So they had all night to think about it. They did. They were stewing. <laughs> they, were, they were. And you know, I like a program where we have polite disagreement. We certainly did have that in this discussion. But it's a it's an interesting and important um, and and very timely discussion. The, the topic of the, the the title of the discussion was uh, fake news and journalism in the age of Trump. Let's hear a bit of this. Matt LaPlante, your uh, TED Talk recently at uh, Utah State University was titled something like uh, Superman Must Die So That Clark Kent Can Live. And if I, if I heard your talk right, Superman is the, I guess, journalism as we knew it, and uh, Clark Kent is more the citizen. Is that, did, I, did I get that right? Yeah, and in fact, uh, DC Comics a few years ago actually turned Clark Kent into a citizen journalist. He quit the Daily Planet and went to work as a blogger. I don't know how that worked out for him, but 
uh, yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the metaphor that I was trying to build. So, uh, and I got uh, kind of a little bit of a depression, but some hope as well. You, you said, well, we just have to accept the, the new world. So I guess my first question to you is, what, what is the new world? Is it, is it, is it a world where... Uh, you know, citizens are doing their own reporting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is. I mean, we live in a world now today more than ever before where everyone is a journalist, whether or not they um, realize it or not. Um, if you tweeted today uh, with the intention of sharing something that you believe to be true with an audience greater than yourself, you committed an act of journalism. And we all have the power to do that now. And we do that every day. Almost all of us do that every day. Uh, we put information on Facebook. We put information on Twitter. Now, a lot of that information is information about our own lives. It's probably not all that applicable to a very, very large audience. Um, but it's also observations. Look, uh, when I was driving up from Salt Lake City to Logan uh, a couple of nights ago, um, there were crashes left and right uh, and center all over the road. And I can guarantee you that, uh, and I don't advise this, by the way, people driving by those crashes had their cell phones out taking photos of them, right? When you share a photo with, of a crash on the side of a highway, you are committing a small act of journalism. The problem is we don't think of it that way and we don't train people to do it as an educational system. I've said for a very long time that we need to add a, a third R to our educational system, right? We have reading and writing and arithmetic and we need reporting. We need people to be brought up in a society that is preparing them for a world in which we are all mass communicators. The ethics the um, the uh, skill sets, um, the knowledge that it takes to do that, to do that responsibly, and to do that in a way that helps contribute to a better world uh, is lacking from an educational system that is supposed to be preparing our children for the world they're entering. But Matt, I mean, that's, I would argue there is a difference between simply conveying information, simply communicating, and journalism. There is a responsibility that comes with reporting. And I, I'm not sure that a mere tweet constitutes reporting. It, it is uh, communicating. It's spreading the word about something that they saw, an eyewitness account. But as we see in the law, eyewitness accounts are not the full story. So... I, I'm not sure I would say that everybody is a journalist. I, I, I'm just putting it out there. Well, that's and that, but the, and that is that's the that's the uh, pushback that I hear a lot from journalists when I when I make this suggestion. Right? Is is we we want to hold on to this, right? And that was the the whole kind of like concept behind the TED Talk speech, right? Is I wanted to hold on to this. I felt super. I felt powerful. But the Constitution, the First Amendment of our Constitution, doesn't apply just to me as a journalist, right? Mm -hmm. It applies to anyone who owns a press, and we all own a press now. So I have. Absolutely agree with Jennifer. One tweet alone doesn't make journalism. But you put that with another tweet and another tweet and another tweet. You put that with a thousand people's tweets, right? And all of a sudden what you have is a picture that one solitary journalist could never have created on their own. The ability for us to process that, for the ability for us to consume that as a society, and the ability of us for us for us to do it piece by piece in a more responsible way so that we can call it journalism and so that it, it uh, embraces the best qualities of this craft that I really believe in and still believe in, is, even as it's changing, rests on us educating people how to do it better. So I, what I've been thinking in, the, in this, thank you for that back and forth um, to both of you. By the way, if you just tuned in, we're talking about fake news and journalism in the age of Trump. And we have with us in studio here at UPR Studios, Matt LaPlante, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Communication at Utah State University. And in uh, KCPW Studios, thanks to them in Salt Lake City, um, we have with us Jennifer Napier-Pierce, editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. So Matt, what? Uh, let me uh, pose it this way. Every citizen a journalist, and you, you train citizens and, and empower them and, and let them know that they are journalists, they can do it in a responsible way. But is that necessary but not sufficient? And uh, the example that came to my mind is the videos of, uh, you know, all these depressing number of videos of mistreatment of, uh, of black men by, by, by police. And in our new age, certainly anybody with a, 
with a cell phone can capture that, and we haven't had that power in, in the past, and some of these things would have been swept under the carpet. Well, they have but been swept under the carpet. They have been swept under the carpet, but, and so that's wonderful, so the necessary part of it, but but maybe not sufficient. I'll, I'll pose this to you and then to, to, to Jennifer. Um, isn't there some context needed? Isn't isn't there some further investigation, investigative reporting needed in, oh, this, yeah, in these sure. cases? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, context is is crucial. Uh, I mean, if everything you really know about a situation comes from a single mean, a single photo, a single video, you don't know jack about that situation. You don't have enough information to form an opinion. Um, that's part of the educational training that I think that journalists kind of already know because we're trained to know that. And I think that we need to hand over that that knowledge to other people. Um watching one video, as, as many jurors, jurors will tell you, I covered the court system for a long time, right? One video doesn't tell a complete story, right? One photo doesn't tell a complete story. Um, there's this meme going around right now with uh, mug shots of a young white man who, is, uh, who recently pleaded down to a sexual assault of a disabled boy. And that, that mug shot is placed right next to the mug shots of the four young black men and women who were recently arrested for assaulting a disabled boy and broadcasting it on Facebook Live, which is wow. Um, the meme makes this case that the racial role reversal is why one case became a national outrage and another case got far less coverage. But that's false equivalence, right? You can't know everything from a meme alone. Context is so vile. These cases are completely different. The state in which each of them is in, uh, in the judicial system, is very much different. Um, that video, that photo, that meme, that uh, you know, that quote, uh, which may or may not be from Mark Twain, uh, mm-hmm. could you know, can be a great starting place for a conversation. But those conversations need to be guided by a collection of facts, and that's what we're losing right now. My students all the time they they lead when when we have online discussions. They lead every statement they make with "I think." As if it's a, oh, you know, like that's, they don't have to do any other work after that. It's just what they think, right? Um, and so, yeah, yeah, absolutely context is important. We have to teach people that context is important. Uh, let me let me pose this to, to Jennifer. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know if you accept my characterization that, the, the, you know, citizen journalism, that, you know, people taking those videos, that's welcome, uh, that, good development, but that context is necessary. It would, I, I don't know, newspapers, I, I'm guessing you're going to say the newspapers and other news gathering organizations provide that context, that investigative Absolutely, follow-up. absolutely. And that's, that, I guess that's why I dispute Matt's characterization of everyone is a journalist. Everyone is not a journalist. Everyone is a communicator, absolutely. Um, and we have all of these tools, and I do think that it's important for people to be alert. I mean, I I think having these videos coming to the surface is really important, but it is just a beginning point. It's a start, and it allows people, I mean, I, I would venture to say that most people do not have the time, the expertise, the energy, the passion, um, the financial wherewithal to abandon everything and pursue whatever they saw on a cell phone video. I mean, again, citizen journalists, very important, more information more better but there is a, a limit to what people can do on their own it does require uh, time and energy uh, expertise that I, I would say your average Joe doesn't have uh, to, to pursue a story to its completion and so um, again I guess it, it depends on how you define what a journalist is what a reporter is I still I'm not trying to be territorial in any way shape or form but I do think that there is um, a very important role that journalists can play in society have been playing will need to play uh, even greater to a greater extent going into the future and um, we need to push that message out as far and wide as we can using all the tools at our disposal um, because again we can't just rest on on uh, the legacy of the past. Uh, so Matt uh, what do you think a world would look like if if uh, you know much of the journalism infrastructure that we have today goes away because of whatever reason, financial pressures and other other uh, things, uh, can 
citizens provide that context and that follow-up investigative reporting? No, not in the same way. Uh, Much like, um, you know, with, with every evolution of our media ecosystem, we gain something, we lose something. Um, I am not an advocate for disbanding the legacy news media. I'm a member of the legacy news media. I write for newspapers and magazines. I mean, like I'm on paper, baby, right? Uh, so so that's, that is certainly not what I'm advocating at all. Uh, here is what I am saying, though. Uh, legacy news providers are trusted today less than they ever have been in the history of our country. Um, Really? That is Even a, more than yellow journalism? Yeah, no, actually, Come no. On. We went to war because of yellow journalism. I mean, like, no, absolutely. The reason we went into the Spanish-American War was because the nation trusted newspapers, right? Now, that trust was wrongfully placed at that time, and I would say that we are, like, I, I have no problem with people being more skeptical of the legacy news media. The legacy news media has a long history of leading us to do pretty terrible things and contributing to bad decisions on the part of this country. Um, that's not to say that it doesn't provide a tremendous wealth of good, and it does. Again, I'm a part of this. This is, this is where my heart lies. I also acknowledge, however, that the, the world that we live in is one in which that average Joe that Jennifer was talking about can't distinguish the difference between what we call real news and fake news. That is a problem of the system. And one of the solutions to that problem is to make the average Joe a more recognized, a more respected part of the news gathering process. To do that, again, we can't just say the world is great like it is. To do that, we can't just say this will grow organically and it will all sort itself out. To do that, we all have to, and this is the, the pitch that I make at the end of the TED Talk, we all have to, as journalists, embrace our new role in this, in this world of training the next generation of superheroes. Yeah. Jennifer, I, I, I heard obvious um, disagreement on the trust issue. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, n- n- I, I, I'm just, uh, I don't know if it's the low point of journalism uh, in the history of this nation, but um, it is definitely, um, uh, we're, we're not on solid ground. Um, we need to regain the trust of the public. There's no question about that. Um, we have to do uh, work harder. We have to get the message out there, and we have to educate people on exactly how we do the job that we do. We can't pretend that we have all the secrets and the answers to society's problems. I mean, we really do need to um, sell ourselves and let people know that what they read in our pages and on our websites and what they hear on the airwaves and what they see on television uh, truly has gone through uh, an extensive process, and that it's not just, you know, parroting. It's not just speaking off the cuff. And that is uh, part of our uh, vigorous discussion on the occasion, uh, I think, a couple months ago, and we had uh, Jennifer Napier Pierce, editor of the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, and uh, Matt LaPlante, uh, uh, who is in the uh, journalism department at Utah State University. Um, very enjoyable discussion, very important, of course, uh, in a time when uh, newspapers are failing and uh, when uh, media is under uh, f- financial assault. And, uh, you know, the president is uh, calling <laughs> the media the uh, the enemy of the people, uh, for example. Uh, very timely discussion. and. Uh, and I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, revisiting that excerpt. This is to remind you uh, the, the, the kind of thing that uh, we give you um, day in and day out, we hope, on Access Utah. And we're asking you now during the spring pledge drive uh, to, to support this. Uh, the thing about local programming, uh, which Access Utah is, we don't uh, get this from the network, we can't share this cost among many stations. Uh, we have to uh, pay for, for this uh, all here at uh, UPR, and was, so we're uh, spreading that cost among UPR listeners. And so, therefore, local programming like Access Utah becomes among the most expensive programming that we do because we can't share the cost. 
Well, and we really appreciate all of you that have called in so far and made a pledge during Access Utah. We've raised over $800 already oh, during wonderful. Access Utah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Every little bit does make uh, our programming possible. It's fun for me to sit here and listen to Matt LaPlante and Jennifer <laughs> Napier-Pierce because personally I admire both of them very much. When they say when they get on the radio on Access Utah, I listen because I really do enjoy both of those people. So I hope you enjoy them as well as I do. Go to upr.org. Uh, Tom, we need to show Carrie bring her so that we can. That's right. Get our competitive juices flowing. <laughs> they they went gangbusters they uh, to this morning in, in uh, morning edition. So Access Utah, um, we're we're certainly a much better program than Morning Edition, right? I think you would. <laughs> well, would, everyone local. would agree. And we're those, local. those we're callers every. were from Cedar City this morning. We really appreciate yeah. that. They said they love the programming. And to get a call from Cedar City, that we're spreading the word. It's good. Yes. It, you know, it's good to know that, I mean, Utah Public Radio is a statewide service. And uh, down Cedar City, St. George, Moab, um, all the way up to uh, Soda Springs, Idaho, and beyond. So, Well, and uh, it's important to know that when you pledge that member card you get, that'll get you discounts all the the way down to Cedar City and St. George. Right, right. That's right. This is two for one in dining and museums and uh, pet benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the whole gamut. Uh, so if you're a, if you're a new uh, member, thirty six dollars. That's a great level for students, by the way. Uh, Terry, you've been mentioning the dollar a day yes. uh, level. That's a great level. Yes, three hundred and sixty five dollars a dollar a day. Which you know, if you think about how much. How much is a newspaper worth to you, or how much is a magazine worth to you? A dollar a day? Oh my gosh, you can't get this much news and information for a dollar a day. Uh, so I think that's a really fair amount uh, for me personally to pay for what I get off of Utah Public Radio at upr.org. Make your pledge, show your support for Axios Utah and the programming that you get from us. Uh, I'm sure that you sit at home and you listen to this dialogue that's going back and forth and it enriches your life and helps you be more informed. Show us your support for that. We have with us uh, Terry Guy. And uh, we also have with us Candy Carter Olson, who's assistant professor in the journalism department at uh, Utah State uh, University. Also, uh, avid consumer of UPR, right, and, yep. and supporter of UPR. Uh, so tell tell us, again, fellow listeners, why why are they out of uh, pledge? You know, I think it's really because of programs like the one that we just heard. Um, I'm a media literacy professor, and so one of the things I'm continually saying is what Matthew said, is that we need to be getting media education at younger and younger ages. And, um, you know, that can start with parents talking to their kids about what they're watching on TV and saying, oh, do you really think that's how that person should have reacted? Um but, you know, these are conversations that we often have in classrooms with our students, and we have, these are debates that we have, and we bring in guest speakers and those sorts of things. Well, not everybody can get to a college classroom, and not everybody can afford it. So if you think about it, a dollar a day for a donation, or even like $12 a month, $120 a year, um, you are getting an insight into some of the conversations that we are having in our classrooms with our students and those are important debates those are debates that i think should be influencing our broader conversations and those happen right here um and so that's why i support utah public radio um i mean you guys educate my students you educate the broader public and i'm all about education so yeah i highly recommend people get online go online please upr.org you can tweet at us you can you can't pledge by tweeting mm-hmm. too you can try but there's no real way to do it that's right upr.org 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 eight hundred dollars uh, so far we're heading toward fifteen hundred dollars so right. About and halfway we, there. We've reached 56% of our goal for this pledge drive, and so we need to keep charging on and, and make this a really exciting pledge drive for Utah Public Radio. As we've all, I mean, everyone's aware that uh, funding is scary for uh, all of the humanities, and it does make us think about how important it really is, whether we are able to keep that funding or not. Uh, everyone, their ears have perked up and they said, oh my gosh, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. Let us know how important it is. Make your pledge today at uh, 1-800-826-1495 or go to upr.org. And thank you so much. We thank you in advance. Uh, let's uh, go to uh, a brief excerpt from another uh, program. We're highlighting today the theme is uh, current events, headline shows, uh, where we uh, just uh, open the phone lines and, and you uh, respond. And thank you for that with your thoughtful, thoughtful responses. 
Um, by the way, tomorrow we're going to be, uh, our theme is uh, fun and music, and we'll have uh, folklorist Lynn McNeil in with us. We'll hear an excerpt from a program we did on Sherlock. Um, we gave us an excuse to play some clips. Um, I love that TV show. Yeah, good stuff, good <laughs> stuff. Also, we had a very fun program um, on What's in a Name. Nice. Um, I think her name is Jenny Mansfield, who had done a uh, uh, master's thesis on uh, naming practices among Mormons. And then we talked about that and, and uh, broader, uh, you know, what's in your name? What's the meaning behind your name? We got some calls and very interesting responses. And then we'll uh, hear a bit of music. Yearly, we do a, a program with uh, the uh, band Evening in Brazil. So we'll hear some Brazilian music. I love Brazilian music. And then on uh, Thursday, we're going to celebrate our year-long uh, project with Utah Humanities, which happened in 2016 on uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winners. Uh, so uh, those are the themes coming up today as headlines. And we're going to hear now just a bit uh, from a, a program that we did responding to President Trump's executive order on uh, refugees and uh, immigration. Um, we heard in this program from uh, Utah Republican Party Chairman James Evans. We also heard from uh, Catholic Community Services, and we heard from uh, University of Utah History Professor Paul Reeve, uh, whose op-ed piece was titled, Trump's Muslim Band Looks Like a Mormon Band. So we'll hear just an excerpt uh, now from that program. We turn uh, next uh, to Amos Giora, who is a professor in the College of Law at the University of Utah, expert on counterterrorism, among other uh, topics. Uh, professor Giora, uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I want to uh, jump in, uh, since you are an expert on uh, counterterrorism, uh, a key question, uh, the president's recent executive order. Uh, will you think this make us uh, more or less safe? I don't see any way that this um, executive order makes America safer. I think, if anything, it uh, provides for ISIS and other related groups a pretty easy recruiting poster. It, from their perspective, reaffirms, confirms how they perceive the United States, how they, quote, sell the United States. And I think in the long run, or perhaps both in the short run, I fail to see how this act in any way enhances American national security. So do you see this as uh, not uh, effective in, in national security, but, but uh, in, in sending the message that this will, this will be a recruiting tool? I want to get to the the vetting that's currently happening. My understanding is it's pretty robust. Um, President, President Trump apparently is disagreeing that we need to study this and, and, and ramp up the vetting. I understand um, from a good friend of mine who is in the State Department, obviously needs to go unnamed, who tells me that the the vetting process is beyond robust, perhaps a better word is rigorous and robust, and it takes a number of years before you before you pass through all or jump through all the hoops. And for the president to use this term, extreme vetting, which is a term of art, which I don't really understand what it means, indeed, as you suggest, from his perspective, indicates that he thinks the process is not rigorous, robust, and that is absolutely counter from what I hear from those who actually are involved in the process. Hmm. Uh, did, this is being characterized by some as a Muslim ban. I want to know what, what you think, and then I, I think this is implicit in, in your characterization. This will this will make a, a recruiting poster that that uh, at least ISIS and other groups will will portray it as such. I think it's one hundred percent a Muslim ban. I think a ban. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that. Um, Naming the seven countries, by the way, we could have a conversation about the countries not named, particularly um, Saudi Arabia, whose nationals have clearly committed acts of terrorism in the United States, obviously. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that this is a Muslim ban. And if one thinks about President Trump as candidate Trump, he made it very clear that he viewed Islam or extreme, I don't know if he's differentiated between Islam and extreme Islam, but this ban is clearly about uh, preventing Muslims from coming to the United States. And again, from a from a national security slash. 
And we apologize, we'll have to fade out of that uh, excerpt, uh, so it becomes an excerpt of an excerpt, but, uh, <laughs> but we're, we're running out of time here. By the way, you can catch any of these programs online at upr.org. Just go to Programs uh, at the top and, and, and then click on Access Utah, and, you, and we have uh, all of our programs for the past, I don't know, five years or something uh, there for, for your further listening. Uh, but before we hit the top of the hour, we want to uh, make sure we're on uh, task, and our task for today is uh, raising money money for Utah Public Radio and for Access Utah. We have with us Terry Guy and uh, um, Candy Carter Olson, who's assistant professor in the journalism department at uh, Utah State University. So Candy, uh, again, just uh, sort of as we reach the end of the hour, um, your appeal to, uh, to, for, for people to, uh, to pledge for UPR and for Access Utah. You know, so far people have turned out in droves to support UPR, this pledge drive, which I find really encouraging. And I hope that people are seeing that this is their radio station and that this is um, an opportunity for them to hear about how national issues affect all of Utah and that it's not just here in Logan. It's all the entire state because UPR does broadcast throughout the entire state and they do address issues from the entire state like Bears Ears. Um and so I, I, um, I'm encouraged. Again, I think of I, I'm into education. I love UPR because it educates my students. It gives them internship opportunities for real life experience they wouldn't get anywhere else. Plus, it gives people an an opportunity to be educated on issues that they in a way that they can't get anywhere else. So, um, you know, support education. Support. Um, your own education and support the students that are um, going to become professionals coming out of this station by going online to upr.org. And Terry, we just have about a minute uh, left. Yes, absolutely. I was listening to Candy talk about educating, sending out this message across the state to educate people. And that was the original uh, purpose of Utah Public Radio when it started was it was an education arm for the university and they actually taught classes um, through the airwaves. And we still do that. We still now we are able to educate through all of our extension programs. Really, we're uh, in almost every single location across the state where we have campuses and uh, we are uh, a part of that and because of that we do have really interesting people on access utah and our other programming like candy so show your support for this type of programming it doesn't come free uh our interns are paid and um and and we are as well sometimes, right, Tom? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but if you will come to Utah Public Radio, you'll see we live in very humble abodes here on, on campus. And uh, that's fine because we feel really good about what we do and we're proud of what we do. Go to upr.org. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think about our programming. Maybe things that are of interest to you so that we know what to uh, look forward to this next year. And upr.org. Uh, join us at upr.org. Pledge now. Upr.org. Uh, tomorrow, Lynn McNeil, fun and music as we continue the best of Access Utah. Thanks for listening today.